A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Hello everybody, you're listening to Main Menu for the 29th of September 2017. This is your co-host Jason Castingway. We go down maybe an unexpected avenue in this week's show and talk about Braille. Pretty low tech, but it starts out with a moment that I experienced, and you'll hear all about it, and we talk about slates, styli, manufacturing and braille packaging, and a whole slew of other things. There are a lot of tidbits to pick up in this episode. Enjoy as Janine and I talk with Judy Dixon right after this important message. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi everyone, this is Janine Stanley and I am here today with my co-host and producer of Main Menu, Jason Castingway. Hi Jason. Hi there. And we have a very special guest with us whom we will introduce momentarily, but First, we wanted to give you a little background on why we decided to do a show about Braille, because sometimes you just need to write something down, right, Jason? Oh, yes. (laughs) I wanted to sell a barcode reader, and when doing so, I was exchanging emails with the buyer. He was giving me his shipping info, and I felt like, wait a minute. Do I want to take this down on my iPhone and take my iPhone with me to the shipper location and take it out and find where I put it and relay the information while it's speaking into my ear to the clerk? Do I want to write it in my hymns, Braille Sense on hand, and then bring that to the mailroom and read it from... No, I don't want to. It just got very clear. I do not want to do any of that. I should be able to do what anyone else would do, just put it on a piece of paper and bring that piece of paper with me. Yes, I can do it all those other ways, and I have done it a million times, but I did not want to do it. I wanted a simple solution, and I didn't even want to have to take out the good old clunky Perkins Braille writer. (laughs) I (laughs) I just wanted to have it down there, so I grabbed my Janus slate and stylus and took the information down, and I couldn't believe how good that felt. It just felt like, wow, why didn't I do this a million years ago almost? There have been so many opportunities. I was able to just go there, have the piece of paper and read the information. And it was so simple and so beautiful in its simplicity, I guess. And so I decided, you know what, this needs to be discussed. (laughs) (laughs) And Jason brought up the question among us, the main menu team, and we all started talking about the different Braille devices that we have and, you know, non-technical Braille, non-digital Braille, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then we began asking sort of the experts in the field. And one of the people that came highly recommended to us, many of you know her from her very informative books through National Braille Press, and that is Miss Judy Dixon. Hi, Judy. Hello, Janine and Jason. Hi. So why don't you give us your official title? My official title, I am still working for the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped at the Library of Congress. The rumors of my retirement are greatly exaggerated. (laughs) (laughs) Even even though I 
I've been there 36 years and so many people keep asking me, oh, I thought you retired. I'm beginning to wonder what they're trying to do. Oh, my. <laughs> but I am, in fact, still there. And my job title is Consumer Relations Officer, which oh. I say means it is whatever they want me to do. <laughs> that sounds a lot like my title. Mine is Consumer Relations Coordinator. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty much all other duties. So, Judy, we're talking about ease and convenience of good old manual Braille. And when we got into this discussion, Jason and I were talking a lot about kind of the history of all the things that we use to write Braille and the slates and the different styli, I guess that's the appropriate plural that are out there. Yeah, that is probably the plural in the U.S. of stylus. The styli is probably ah. is pronounced. <laughs> you may not know, Janine, that I actually have a personal collection of Braille slates. And Ooh. I have about 280 unique slates, really wow. probably four or 500 altogether because I have a lot of duplicates. But there's even a website for my collection, which I haven't paid so much attention to for the last couple of years, but have a look sometime at railslates.org. Oh, cool. And, wow. and it will uh, describe a lot of it. I think they're from 36 countries and it's quite a collection. There really are a number of unique devices. And there's a section on that website where I talk about all of the features that can be found in slates, particularly some of the slates from overseas and so forth. And I have believed for a long time, even though I'm finally being convinced that that ship probably has sailed, but I have believed for a long time that our handwriting devices for slates could be a lot better than they are. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if they were better, people might actually even use it more. I cannot agree with that more. And yes. especially as I age. And so I am now completely intrigued. So tell us about the features of slates before we get into well, the styly. <laughs> for example, there's upward writing slates. Well, if you've ever seen the upward writing devices that have been created in the U.S., they are not very good because there's a fundamental flaw in the way that they're designed. And that is if a blind person uses a slate, the blind person typically puts the stylus into the space of the cell and kind of looks around with the stylus Mm. to find the exact spot to press the stylus down. Well, the problem with an upward writing slate is to do that. When you, when you do that, when you look around with a stylus, you make shadow dots on the upward pointing dots because your stylus inevitably exerts a little bit of pressure on those upward pointing dots that are at the bottom of that, that cell. And so actually in, oh, what year would it have been? Things are always longer ago than I think. Um, (laughs) So, um, I don't know, a while back, RNIB developed something called the Braille King. And they tried a solution for this, having little spring-loaded platforms uh, 
where those upward pointing dots were so that when you press down with the stylus, it actually brings the dot up and you're not running around the dots. And it works much better. It is still very slow. And that's the significant downside of a slate like that. But oh, wow, it's uh, it's an interesting, you know, if, if more people didn't have to, well, of course, we never use the B word in talking about slates. <laughs> no. We never, we never say that because you're no. really, you're just writing first side of the cell, second side of the cell, first side of the cell, second side of the cell. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's, it's not so, I still use a slate all the time. Um, wow. And you just answered the question of why my Braille looks so terrible. I had one of those devices with the upward facing uh, Braille on it where, oh, this would be great. You know, I can actually read it as I'm rolling up and I can see it. And I ended up with a bunch of little ghost dots Mm -hmm. and it looked (laughs) horrible. And I thought, wait a minute, this is not what I intended. And now I know why. Mm. It's interesting because I never saw one of those, but I was exposed to the slate, I want to say starting around age six or seven, maybe a little bit later. And I got the idea, but I was slow with it and they felt I was exerting too much pressure. So then I was trying to figure out, well, if I exert too little pressure, I don't make the dot. So what, you know, what what gives? And I took a long break from it and... It probably wasn't until after high school and getting into college where I started just appreciating Braille a whole lot more in general and keeping slates and styli handy so that I could either quickly take notes or make labels. I have somewhere that one line slate, and I don't know where it is right now, which is driving me crazy. And I had the metal four line slate with the prongs that hold the paper in place and with the little braille window. So you could flip it over, open the window and see what you wrote. And I thought that was great. And now through this conversation and through some other things, I'm realizing there are so many types of slates out there that could help you get the specific job done. Wow. So what are some of the other features? Well, there are, there are slates that fit into notebooks that have a specific size paper and a specific size frame. Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of full page slates. There's slates that have just a frame in the front, just a frame around the edge. And then you have just a two line guide or two, three line guide that you slide down and you don't have to do go through all the folder all of getting the paper out of the slate and move the whole slate down. And those were very popular in Europe. I have one similar to that that's on I was telling Jason it's on like a almost like a clipboard, but it's a big piece of wood and it has the clip at the top. And then you move the slate. That's uh, a four line. Oh, and right. You move that down and you put that in the little pegs and the little holes. And that, uh, that's the difficult kind to use. That one was, yeah. made, that was made by APH. And uh-huh. so it's, a, it's pretty difficult. The, the ones where the frame around the edge holds the paper in place and all you slide down is just the flat piece of the front of the slate is much, much faster to use. Oh, nice. Hmm. Before we go further, I didn't explain what a Janus slate is for anyone who's wondering. Um, it is from APH, and it is, I want to say, it, probably its size is 5 by 7, but I think the pages that fit into it are 4 by 6, I think. 
Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. And it writes, they call it interline Braille because it's it looks kind of like interpoint, but the spaces between the lines are a little greater. And I love it because it's small and I can slip it into a pocket and it gives me, I think, four lines on one side and five lines on the other with about, I think, 21 or 22 cells per line. So that's been my go-to lately. Uh-huh. And I know I've got two of those. I have one from Australia that I got when I was down there and went to visit one of their agencies. And it is five lines on one side, six on the other. And the Braille is slightly smaller. Yeah, that's an RNIB slate. Yeah, that one was wild. And the the stylus was a little bit different, too. The the point was definitely smaller and the um, little rod was thinner, too. Interesting. One of the slates that I have is from Japan, and it's 30 cells of six lines, and the whole slate is smaller, only about two-thirds the size of a three-by-five card. It makes makes Braille so small that it is actually difficult to read. Wow. (laughs) It's great. Wow. It's really good for labeling when you have a really small space. You kind of already know what it says, but you just need to be reminded. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I've seen Japanese Braille and I thought, wow, is that tiny? How do people read yeah. that? <laughs> that is something. I have not seen the different size Braille, but what you said reminded me of how much we sometimes just feel for the pattern, not so much the words. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I feel this under my fingers, kind of, I know what this is, or you can just have the piece of paper kind of run part of your hand over and go, oh, yeah, that's the taxi information or the hotel information or something like that. Yeah, I always braille my flight information just so I can pull it out of my pocket and have it there and not have to worry about digging it out from somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Judy, what other kind of odd slates have you seen around the world for maybe specific purposes or different designs? There are a lot of slates. There are special slates, different kinds of slates for making labels, for writing on tape. There are slates exactly the size of business cards with signature guides in them. And I've got one of those. I have a database of all my slates, and that's one of the categories is uh, special purpose slates. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I haven't looked at it in a while. <laughs> I was going to say, I just want one that will hold the tape so it doesn't break apart when I take it out. <laughs> oh. There's one There's one even with a cutter on it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That would be awesome. Made in Austria. Wow. It's called, it's called the yeah. Dymo Queen. Ooh. <laughs> oh, how cool. Now, if people wanted, say, to get their hands on some of these types of slates. How would people start to look well, for some of these? It is difficult. I mean, there's a few, I think the Braille King, the Maxi Aids tend to sell some of these slates from overseas. I'm not sure what they have right now because it's been a while since I've looked, but I think they also had the Dymo Queen at one point. I don't think independent living aids carries much of that sort of thing anymore. Uh, the Braille Superstore is another place to check. It's a Canadian company that's easy to buy from. So those are possibilities. When you start trying to buy from Europe where you have to deal with different currencies and so forth, it becomes much more difficult. Mm. I know I had uh, gotten a number of slates and things like that from the Braille Superstore. And I love that little keychain thing that they have to identify your money. 
Oh, yeah. I think it's the most fun. Um, oh. Jason hadn't seen it. And uh, to describe it to folks, it is a piece of plastic, basically, with little cutout kind of tabs. And you would put your bill in there for whichever amount it's got. I think one, five, 10, 20, and 100. It might even have a 50. You put the corner of your bill in there and you can punch it down and there will be a tactile number and the Braille equivalent. And it's kind of fun to do and label your money, especially if you're at a vendor booth and you can freak people out with it. (laughs) (laughs) So we have all the slates. Now let's talk about what we write with. So how are the styly different, not only around the world, but just different designs? Of oh, there's like, there's, there are flat ones. Oh, there's some very flat ones and some kind of fattish flat ones. There's ones with holes in them so you can attach a string and anchor it to your slate so it doesn't roam off. Oh, okay. That's neat. All the Japanese styluses all have holes in them so you can anchor them. There's, you know, tall, skinny, kind of almost pencil-shaped ones. Yeah, I've seen those. There's kind of shorter and not-so-skinny pencil-shaped ones. And there are a lot of different kinds where the point either screws in or comes off and turns around and goes inside the handle, that sort of thing. Um, That is my absolute favorite. Um, I think APH used to call them the tuck-away stylus. And the the handle part of it is um, weighted. It's very heavy, which mm-hmm. is fantastic because I've got terrible arthritis in my hands. Anything else in terms of a stylus is painful. So those are awesome for me. But and there's a couple of different ones that are parts of keychains. Oh, oh that would be interesting. And Always do you on. know where someone might find, because this question came up on, uh, on a Facebook group, of course, someone was looking for the pencil styly. Where... Do you know if anybody is currently making those? I would ask how press they had them at one point. Ah. But, you know, so many of these things just aren't available. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of sad because I think if people aren't really using these devices, these companies aren't going to keep selling them. Mm, and sure. there's still a lot of slates being sold in India, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. And, and so the companies can buy things from India. Wow. Hmm. And it's kind of sad. We don't even think about how, you know, uh, the various newer technologies are impacting, you know, things like actually being able to, the cited equivalent would be just grabbing a pen and writing something down. And hopefully these things won't go away. I have a full page slate that I got from, I think, the Real Superstore, and it's made of plastic, oh, yes. which is its only downfall. I love this thing, except I'm afraid I'm going to break it. <laughs> and if I do it on my lap, I know I'm going to break it. Well, but, but it's not going to bend, and that's the other yep. side of it. There, I have a similar one that's aluminum that was mm-hmm. from Germany, and it's, I don't know, 25 lines of something or other, but it's, it's metal. And you try to use a metal slate mm-hmm. on your lap that's that big, and it will oh, be for oh very long. Ah, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, that would, that would not be good. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. I have one that's also a page slate, but it's a landscape mode page mm-hmm. slate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very strange. I don't think I've ever actually used it for anything, but is it about, I bought is it. about it? 13 lines? Yeah. Yep. I was going to say it's not a full page. It's from from India. 
Oh, okay. I can't even remember where I found it. It might have been the Braille Superstore because I thought, oh, that'll be interesting. And then I got it and it was uh, landscape. But I figure, you know, at some point that will come in handy for something. <laughs> I don't know what, but not giving it up. So let's see. Talking about Braille and the different characteristics of the dots that are made by these different points on the different types of styli. Can you speak to that at all? You know, there are people who are into that, and I've even heard people talk about sharpening their styluses. That's not something I've ever done or even necessarily wanted to do. (laughs) And uh, so I haven't ever worried too much about what the shape of the dot is or Mm -hmm. what the styluses make. I mean, some are certainly easier to write with than others, and I think that has a lot to do with the shape of the point. But in general, I just grab a stylus and (laughs) Wow, because I kind of wondered a little bit about that because, you know, certainly in manufactured Braille, for signage and things, there are a lot of different, uh, sometimes you have the squared off dots and slightly, Mm -hmm. yeah, oh. Uh, some of the elevator signage that's painful to read. Yeah, I've seen some of that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're replacing some signage where I work, and uh, the dots are literally falling off. And it turned out that they were uh, sort of implanted in the sign, and uh, dots are falling off. Raised print letters are falling off, which uh, oh lends my. itself to some really hilarious Braille mistakes. <laughs> but <laughs> So... What about, what do you see, you know, from your viewpoint at the Library of Congress, sort of seeing the big picture? Are we going to see more Braille with things like 3D printing and all of that? Are we going to see that more in the commercial space? We, there's certainly the potential for that. There are fonts available for 3D printing so that you can put Braille labels on your 3D printed products. And uh, I've seen examples of educational devices like chemical models and that sort of thing, uh, which had 3D printed Braille right on the model. And it would be very easy for anyone to put a Braille label on anything that they 3D print. Uh, it's It's just a matter of using a Braille font. Ah, so if they actually use the real font, then that font automatically does the raising of the letter or mm-hmm. the uh, dots. Oh, yes. wow. I didn't realize that. that is oh, neat. no. Okay, no excuses, people. No <laughs> more excuses. So let's go ahead and move on to the electronic Braille world. New, exciting thoughts on sort of all of these new ways to produce Braille electronically besides the good old piezoelectric method? Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, we haven't had a lot of experience with it yet, so uh, I think that there's still a lot to learn. I'm really curious to feel sort of some of these newer, uh, well, newer slash older methods in things like the Orbit 20, and I guess there is another one. Well, we've yeah, heard we've of. Talked but about this, Jason? That's yeah. right, yeah. Well, we've heard of, but never been able to reach the folks that make the Bly tab or Bly tab. Or- yeah, the Bly tab. That's a rather mystery because there have been a couple of different instances in the last couple of years where they were going to be at conferences that I was mm-hmm. going to be at and one that I organized and they ended up canceling. So oh, I don't dear. I don't know of anyone who's ever actually seen it. Wow. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. The technology but I, sounded fascinating, but it did. 
However, um, there is the Canute Braille reader that I would love to see. It sounds pretty interesting, although it sounds a little like an embosser when it refreshes. It does. It, it, it is really loud. It is interesting. <laughs> Actually, the newer version is not, not very loud. Oh, okay. That, that problem's been solved. It's still very large. <laughs> you better be a very strong person to carry it around. Oh, really? Uh, okay. But, um, Mr. Ed Rogers is, is a really sincere, thoughtful man who's putting a great deal of effort into developing this device. The current one is nine lines by, I think it's maybe 28 or 30 cells, something like that. Maybe 40. I don't oh, know. wow. And uh, it's quite a device. It's, it, the lines are spaced quite far apart. They, it would look almost like double-spaced Braille. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But it's an interesting device. and He's planning to put it on the market. Wow. wow. I think we're all waiting for that full page of, you know, electronic <laughs> braille. Right? I think we're all still waiting. I, you know, I'm not so much waiting for that. I, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I, I can only read one line at a time. <laughs> and I, I think if we had better ways, I remember one time seeing a braille display that had a foot pedal. And you could just roll. The foot pedal had a kind of roller thing. And oh, you could just, wow. you could roll your page up and down. And it was oh like, and it was very like the experience of running your hand up and down a page. Oh, how awesome. Oh, cool. Wow. I, I think if we had better, better strategies for making a single line of Braille appear to be a full page, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have to waste so much real estate and expense on multiple cells. Uh-huh. Mm. And I work a lot with spreadsheets and that would be magical for me <laughs> to just be able to roll up and yes. down. That would be But you could awesome. have a track a trackball under your foot. Mm-hmm. You could probably wow. do that now. That mm. would be pretty cool. so what other improvements from where you are and what you've studied do you think we could make to make this physical act of kind of reading and writing braille either electronic braille or handmade braille what can we do to make it more easy and attractive well we could probably um, you know i'm i'm old enough and close (laughs) enough to retirement i can basically say whatever i want and you know what is what is Absolutely. it? Absolutely, you can do whatever you want here, no matter what. <laughs> what are they going to What are they going to do to me? That's um, right. I think the braille code is too complicated. You know, I read what would you call it? Grade zero braille, computer braille. I all mm-hmm. day long on my braille display. I never, ever, ever contract it, and it's not because I don't know the braille code. Um, <laughs> I, I do, um, but I don't. I don't want it getting in the way. I don't want it showing me something that's actually incorrect because my machine doesn't know the Braille code as well as I might. Mm. And so I don't use it. And, and it doesn't, doesn't bother me a bit that I don't use it. And I, I, think, I think that Braille would be a whole lot easier to learn if the Braille code, I, I, I mean, you know, a lot of people weren't real thrilled with UEB, but people are, mm-hmm. seem to be pretty much getting used to it. I think it didn't go far enough. Um, I, if I was in charge, I would have eliminated a few more contractions. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, no. Not my BLE. <laughs> well, BLE is already gone. And, and actually, yes. BLE bothers me the most, too. I, have to, I will tell you that. But mm-hmm. I would have gotten rid of DD and uh, DD left. I would have gotten ah. rid of GG and FF and CC. 
um, because they're, oh, no. they're, they're causing trouble. And <laughs> I would have gotten rid of any contraction that caused trouble. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because I do remember when I was using Linux and I finally had a refreshable Braille display that worked with Braille TTY. I was looking at everything in computer Braille and the one advantage that I felt was everything is lined up exactly the way it would if you're looking at columns and things as it would in print because there's no contraction. That was true in DOS too. Ah, okay. (laughs) Not not true in Windows, unfortunately. Yes. (laughs) And, And so... I got used to it. And then when Braille TTY introduced contracted Braille, I I wasn't so sure I wanted to go there because I was so used to seeing everything spaced and laid out the way that it was on the terminal screen. So Mm -hmm. just interesting. Yeah. And I, as an infrequent Braille reader, especially an infrequent digital Braille reader, electronic Braille reader, I have a lot of difficulty with dot five and dot you know it, it still is not totally natural to me so i should probably switch my display over to just reading uncontracted braille and that may help me be a little bit faster at what i'm doing because the letters look a little bit more natural i think yeah and, i hadn't thought um, of like those single cell you know dot five dot four i don't know oh, thingies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one always messes me up and you know the dot five ch i i just never well that's that out that's not an american contraction anyway that's that's, that's a british contraction Uh that was never adopted in the u.s Uh Mm. and for some reason i see that you know all over the place in the older type braille that i read and like wait a minute you'll see it in british magazines yeah i do like some of the single letter contractions but again you know, I'm reading along and I see an S or if I've been reading Braille for a while and then I start typing in regular print, you know, <laughs> whoops, it was sort mm-hmm. of like learning high school Spanish where instead of writing out the word and I'd put a Y. So, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we all did that at some point. Mm-hmm. So, um, do, backwards. I, do either mm-hmm. of you use Braille with your iPhones? I do. Not all the time, but I like being able to do it when, for example, I, I'm in a place where I just either don't want to wear headphones or have to be quiet and uh, can just read and write without using dictation and things like that. So There's some cool new Braille features in iOS 11. Ah, that's that, what I have heard. That and is really great. Yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about those because if folks, and there have been a zillion podcasts about iOS 11, however, um, we know that people come to main menu. So <laughs> yes. um, let's talk a little bit about these because there are a lot of ways to configure your, your Braille display at this point and to do the actual Braille uh, typing on the iPhone screen, Braille input. Oh, I love that. That is fun. I didn't like it at first and I felt it was fluky, but I seem to have gotten really good at it. <laughs> it takes practice and it's, in my opinion, it's a skill well worth cultivating because it will pay off so much when you want to, you know, you're in a hurry and you're somewhere and you don't want to take out all the other devices and connect, you just flip into Braille screen input and you can type so fast and it's so nice. 
Mm. And it That's does great. a much better job of calibrating your finger positions now than it did yes. when it originally came out. That was, I know, a, a, a difficulty originally. And also it didn't speak contractions. When you had contracted Braille turned on, it didn't speak the characters as you were typing. And that, was, ah. that wasn't good, but it does now. So it's much easier to figure out what you're doing. Mm. And, and erasing and things like that and adding, you know, oh, yeah. uh, particularly the S. <laughs> you're not getting so anymore. They've actually fixed yeah. a lot of yes, the translation issues. So it's, it's really, I, I just love Braille screen input. It's just so slick. Wow. I haven't, I played with it a little bit, but I have so much trouble typing in a flat surface period so it was sort of like okay i i need to really practice this because one of the things to do to make it easier to use is go into your rotor settings and move braille screen input to the top ah. and that will make it so that whenever you flick your rotor once to the right you'll get to braille screen input and you don't have to hunt around for it oh, okay that's a good tip it was always once to the right through, I think it was iOS 9 and mm -hmm. iOS 10, they eliminated that. And I thought that was kind of unfortunate because it was nice to always know where it was going to be. Mm. Yes. Yes. Because you could, you could do handwriting that way too. You know, yes. handwriting was always one and now it's all over the place. <laughs> I was never very good at that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Now that one I love. So I, you know, I just, I keep telling myself, well, you know what, you can do braille screen and put that way too, Janine. <laughs> yeah. I never, I never could get the small A. I just never, it just never came out right. It's mm. kind of hard, and I'm really afraid. Uh, there is one program that is wonderful, but unfortunately, you know, it's a 32-bit program. So oh, it's do it right? Gonna be, yeah, do it right. I, I wish sure? there was a program like that for Braille. I don't think it's gone. Oh. I don't oh. think it's gone. Well, okay, everybody, go out there if you want to play with handwriting. And now somebody needs to write one for Braille like that. Oh, that, would that would be cool be, to have one like oh, that for Braille. That would be totally awesome. Then that would help me a lot, <laughs> just being able to practice and, you know, okay, here's how your fingers need to be. And the one thing I do like about writing Braille on the iPhone is that you can do it in the tabletop or the, the mode where you have your phone facing away from you, which makes so much sense. Oh my gosh. When I saw that, I thought, okay, somebody actually thought how people might actually use this ergonomically. Mm -hmm. It's not gone, Janine. I just opened it on my <gasps> iOS 11 iPhone 8 and it's just fine. Awesome. Yay. Right. Well, now I'm going to have to go and look yeah. for it in the app store and reload yeah. that on my phone. What other Braille improvements are there to iOS 11? <laughs> oh, the yes. other The other major one is there's now an ability to remap keys, either a single ah. key or a combination. Mm. And you can remap them with all kinds of functions. Some of the functions we never even could do with a Braille display before, like oh. top of document and bottom of document <gasps> and things like oh. that. And it's very cool. And they have totally hidden it. It's hard to find. If you go into VoiceOver, go into Braille, go to the Braille display, and then go into more information, that's oh my where gosh. it is. You would, never, you would never stumble across it. Mm. Wow. Yeah, because the more info wow. has always been there, but not offered a whole lot. Right. Mm -hmm. But you'd go in there to forget a device or something yeah, like that. But exactly. that's, where, that's where it is. And wow. it's amazing. Interesting. So let's go over that again. We'll go from the very top. Settings, general, general accessibility, accessibility voiceover, voiceover, Braille, Braille 
then go down to the Braille device that you want to change. Mm -hmm. And the next flick is more information. Oh, wow. Wow. That would be huge because there are so many things that, you know, I don't necessarily remember the key commands for. I have a Braille Note Apex that is on life support. So (laughs) we're going to be fixing that hopefully. But I found the need to really have a Braille display recently when I had to read a serial number on the phone to somebody from FedEx. That was an adventure that I care not to do again with a screen reader on the Mac because it was just horrible. And I thought, oh, I really need this in Braille so I can just read it. That has kind of inspired me to get my Braille display fixed. But to have all those commands that you can, you know, customize and things like a three finger single tap and things like that is that I think is one of the ones that is new. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you can do a lot more with it now. That'll be really cool. Well, let's go back to the good old ergonomic part of reading and writing Braille. Is there anything you think we can do better in that score? I'd like to see a small, lightweight, by small, I really mean flat, so you could you know, slide it into a bag or something, but you know, kind of one inch thick, 12 inches long, three or four inches front to back, Braille writer. Mechanical Braille writer. As lovely as the Perkins Brailler is and as happy as it is sitting on my desk, um, this this creature is not portable. Uh, no. Mm. <laughs> Although I lugged it all over my elementary and high school. I was school. just going to say. We were, we were stronger then. Yes. <laughs> everybody who carried it. Now, there was the Jada Dot, and I bought oh, the Jada yeah. Dot. Oh, yeah. And it was plastic. <laughs> I know no offense to the Jada Dot people. They they tried, but it was plastic. They, they really used, did try. They yeah. they did try so hard. And it was a shame that that's what we got out of that. Yeah. Because they were also sincere and, and mm-hmm. uh, really worked hard at it. And it really looked like it should work, but I never... Mm quite got the thing to work as advertised and of course it used special paper and you know things like that so and then you know we have some other devices that i would probably build in a little more capability to like the the six dot um um, label maker i would love it if that thing would do business cards if you could just expand it somehow to stick a business card in there and uh, you know that would be really interesting and there's another question for you how to get Braille embossed on things because I know you can get business cards printed with Braille or you can get the slate, the punch kind of thing from APH customized. But if you use the wrong cardstock, they end up looking like my business cards. They look like somebody sat on them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we got the really thick cardstock cards. And unfortunately, doing them on the punch press thing is just, wow, that's not working well. (laughs) Even if you put a lot of weight on that punch, huh? (laughs) Even if you put a lot of weight on the punch. Yeah, it's um, kind of bad. So Hmm. um, how can we make some of these things better? Or is that what we need to improve upon? Yeah, I think the business cards we could probably make better by just creating. Do you remember the little device that used to hold Dymo tape for brailing mm-hmm. in a Perkins brailler? Well, that worked yep. pretty well. And, you know, it wouldn't be that hard to make one that, that held a business card at the right spacing and the right angle and so forth. Mm-hmm. And you just roll it in 
probably need to make it out of something somewhat flexible so you could roll it into a brailler. But mm -hmm. uh, I would think that wouldn't be too difficult. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah, see, here are some things that we need to get to these uh, kids that are doing the inventor fairs and, and oh, yeah. uh, they, all of that, you know. Guys, make it easier for us to please and uh, give me a nice, easy-touch kind of portable Braille rider. That would be awesome. Now, I'm I'm viewing, oh, like, I remember the, the old cassette recorders that were like a rectangle, and they had the buttons toward the front of the device, mm -hmm. and the big speaker, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm just viewing that going, that would be kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> the niceness of the flat portable. Yes, just of. sort of a flat portable, roll the paper in, paper rolls back out, you know, mm -hmm. that would be. You could just have it roll through. Yeah. Mm. You know, it doesn't yep. even need to roll around. It could just, mm -hmm. just roll just through. Through the device mm. and voila, there mm -hmm. we go. Wow. I just want to bring up the fact, and I'm sure this has been passed around back and forth forever, but I have friends who say, oh, I don't use Braille anymore. Uh, oh, I just listen or I record memos and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, well, that's all well and good, but I just find so much, I guess joy is one of the words, but appreciation in being able to read rather than listen. And I know I might have said something differently when I was younger, but now I know the difference, and I'm very, very happy that I know Braille. Well, I don't know how people could give up Braille in their lives. I just don't, because, mm -hmm. you know, seeing the words is just such a different, whether it's electronic or paper, I, I, I get why people might want to give up paper Braille, although it's awfully fun on a rainy Saturday afternoon to mm -hmm. curl up in a chair with a great big paper braille book and just read and read. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, the first thing I did when I lost my sight was figure out how to learn braille because I couldn't stand up being able to write things down anymore. Mm. And, uh, you know, this was 1986, you know, computers were way out there. You know, they gave me things like the Voxcom. Anybody, I'm sure we oh, all remember, remember the Voxcom. Oh. Yeah. yeah, which was a great device in its day and for what you needed it for. But if I was out and about, I couldn't really pull out the Voxcom and my, you know, bunch of cards with, with cassette tape on them and go through them. So I wanted a way to write again. And that was just so neat when I could write things down again and it was very powerful and it took me two years to learn to read braille but um writing it oh my gosh that was great mm. so and it's interesting because i didn't get refreshable braille or regular access to it portably until a couple of years ago so what I discovered was, ooh, let's take my on hand outside, um, sit on the swing and read. Mm. Well, I was discovering, and I was ignoring it at first, that I didn't have the same support ergonomically that I do with a book. And so Jason developed carpal tunnel <laughs> because oh. he was reading strangely <laughs> in a weird position. Well, yeah, it was ow, but it wasn't like crazy ow. It was like, oh, this is annoying. I have to take a little break. But then I'd mm -hmm. get right back to it and keep ignoring it. And then finally, my finger got numb, so I couldn't read. And that's what really got my attention. <laughs> so I realized it was carpal tunnel through some research. I didn't actually go to a doctor. Well, I did kind of go to a doctor. You know that app, um, Health Tap? I think it's called oh. something different now. But I looked it up through there and, and got some advice. And I got one of those hand 
slings that keeps your hand braced in a certain position. And Mm -hmm. it was really annoying to wear, but boy, that really helped over about a week. Uh, Got Mm -hmm. the feeling back in my finger and I'm like, okay, I'm never going to do that again. I need a cushion or something. I was realizing with a book, you have the support of the whole page or the binding or or something that while your arm is moving back and forth. But with a braille display, I was just kind of sitting there, my arms being sort of held in the air with my finger poised over the braille display so it was a different kind of thing oh yeah i wondered if you had anything to comment on that yeah yeah one one thing that people do and i've i've done this myself is use the braille display with it on a strap around your neck ah okay just to give give yourself a little leverage Mm -hmm. or even just around your shoulders you know just any way that you can make it comfortable for yourself Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I've used lap desks for that kind of thing. Oh, um, yes. Where I've those got a little nice. bit of balance. I think the first time I did a lot of braille reading, we were stuck on the runway, some airport somewhere, stuck on the runway. And I started reading one of the Harry Potter books that I had in braille. And uh, that was awesome. And, mm. you know, before I knew it, an hour was gone. And it was like, oh, wow. And I was bracing my arms on my tray, <laughs> my tray table. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and all I could think of was, oh, please don't tell us to put our trade tables away because I'm still reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to do what we got to do. Find those supports. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I have actually, you know, put the display down on my lap and that definitely did not work as well. Yeah, so. that's what was that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Or I'd have it on a table, but the table wasn't close enough to me. So there mm-hmm. was, you know, it was kind of comfortable like for two seconds, but I just kept reading anyway. And well mm-hmm. another thing I've done is put a non slip material on the bottom of my Braille display so oh. that so that it I can put it on my lap and it's not flying off so easily. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Excellent suggestion. I am hoping that someone will consistently manufacture that weighted tuck away stylus till the end of time because they are getting really hard to find. I'm gonna have to I, find one. RNIB still sells them. Oh, good. And there oh. and theirs is theirs is really nice because the other piece doesn't actually come off. It, oh. when, when you unscrew it, you just push it up and then screw it in to the so it stays all one piece. Oh, fantastic! Because wow. that's always been my problem with them is yeah. I either lose yes. the piece because it gets loose or it breaks. The uh, rod mm. breaks off. Does that weightedness help push the dots down or help? I think you? it does. It helps yeah. you. It, yep. You don't have to spend so much time positioning the stylus and exactly. They're just, yes. It just kind of goes where it's supposed to. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. It's, um, it's very nice ergonomically, and I don't yes. feel like I have to press so hard to get the get the dots or find the uh, the edges and things like that. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. a it's a good one. So look out, RNIB. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to put your website now in the uh, in the show notes <laughs> for folks. <laughs> yeah, because. The only stylus I have now is also from APH. It's got a place for your thumb and and middle finger and then your index finger on the top. It's like kind of ergonomically designed that way. But I still find it, you know, you got to exert pressure pushing those dots down and you got to move around and it's not always as fast as I'd like it. But that's part of my lack of finesse anyway. Jane, I think RNIB calls it the safety stylus. Oh, awesome. At least that's what they used to call it. Oh, great. Well, we will definitely look it up and have that at the end of the episode for everybody. Great. So any final thoughts? Long live Braille. (laughs) Absolutely. Yay Yay to that. (laughs) 
<laughs> yep, I will definitely agree. And I would not have said that while I was learning it, like, oh, this is so hard. But now, mm. oh my gosh, it's just, yeah. Yep, I took it totally for granted as a child, too, where it was just like, ah, you know, this stuff, I got to do work in school, like any other school kid but with print, <laughs> I'm sure. But as I grew older and realized the benefits, it's just something I'm so happy to have the knowledge and uh, keep using. So, yep. And if all you do is use it to figure out which restroom you're about to go into, um, <laughs> <laughs> just hope. Unlike where I work, the dots didn't fall off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, uh, luckily, it didn't quite get quite that bad on the uh, on the restrooms, but uh, some other places, our, our smoking room looks very interesting in Braille right now. <laughs> mm. I'm not quite sure what language it's in, but uh, certainly not English. So, mm. um, great. Well, Judy, where can people find you and your amazing collection of Braille paraphernalia? Well, the, my website, BrailleSlates.org, should still be there. And that gives some description of the Braille Slate collection. And my personal email address is Judy at Judy Dixon, J-U-D-Y-D-I-X-O-N dot net. Awesome. I do want people to be on the lookout for your latest book, which is a topic near and dear to my heart, and that is all about GPS. Uh, tell people about the book and where they were and how they can get it. Oh, that's um, Go Where You Want to Go. And that came out in July, and it is all about GPS and the iPhones and GPS apps and all, all of that. And uh, it was great. It was great fun doing it. It's from National Braille Press. They have it in hard copy Braille and in Daisy and in Word and whatever else they do books in. And uh, it's, uh, it's a great book. It's, I'm now working on the next one. Okay. Wow. <laughs> oh, and oh, do we get a sneak preview of what the next one will be? Uh, well, the next one's not coming out until next spring because partly it's going to take me a long time to do it and partly because that's when they will be ready for another book. But uh, the next one's on writing and editing with an iPhone. Oh, wow. Ooh. Very cool. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I, if I said in the introduction, I think that I, I feared this would be a very short book because I was going to have to say, well, guys, writing and editing with an iPhone is as bad as you thought it was. So just don't, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're gonna we're gonna make this work. <laughs> mm, well, okay. maybe some of those Braille assignment keys yeah. will help. <laughs> All that will be in there. <laughs> okay. And I was gonna say, and it'll be time for another of Jason's famous markdown. Oh yeah, uh, I've sessions. talked about markdown. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've used that before. I have actually. I always thought it was just a quick, mm -hmm. simple way to get things formatted, you know, uh -huh. for HTML or PDF or something. So. Mm -hmm. The fact that there's no standard and it's applied slightly differently in each app concerns me about Markdown. Yes. Well, from what I understand, the standards, quote unquote, that I look at are Markdown. It was that, I forget his name, that guy at DaringFireball.com. Mm -hmm. He started that. And then Fletcher Penny created Multi-Markdown, which is the same backwards compatible, but Multi-Markdown adds some new features some of which have to do with attributes for the document, like author, title, hmm. that kind of thing. And then uh, footnotes and 
accessible tables, um, putting. Do you, you think know, I should talk about Markdown and the writing for iPhone book? I thought about it, and I, I've actually concluded that I shouldn't, but you, I, I could easily change my mind. Well, it doesn't always come up unless people, like if people use the Drafts app, and if you're going to talk mm-hmm. about I, that. I am going to talk about Drafts. Um, mm-hmm. That really works well with Markdown. I don't remember if it supports multi-Markdown, though. I would have to, I have to pay. I, I didn't realize that I have the legacy Drafts 3 and that I have to pay to get 4, and I haven't done that yet, so. Oh, I have um, to pay for IA Writer. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about IA Writer. So. Oh, IA Writer is a great iPad app. It's very accessible. Mm. But it, it, it had a legacy version that didn't make it to iOS 11. Mm, yeah. And if you use the Voice Stream Writer app at all, I like that one. Yes. That oh, yeah, that supports that Markdown. Gonna, that's going to yep. be in the book, too. Well, maybe I will talk about Markdown. At least, mm-hmm. you know, at least give people information about where they can find out more about it. Sure, yep. That's what I did, because I knew that you could really open up a can of worms, but that the two main sites were that Daring Fireball and the Fletcher Penny. Uh, I think it's just multimarkdown.com. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, might be kind of cool. Oh, exciting, exciting. And still, my favorite book that you put out was your book on photography and oh, how to take pictures. My favorite one, too. <laughs> I have that. I, and funnily, I should mention that one because that's the one I have here on my shelf in Braille. Uh, now, that's, that, was, that was so fun to do. I hired a professional photographer to teach me how to take pictures. Oh, and awesome. That was that was how I did it. I mean, it was the only it was the only way to do it cuz I what did I know about taking pictures? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is a great read, folks, and uh, you know, it is actually as relevant today with iOS 11 as it was what a couple of years ago when it came out. Oh, so yeah. don't think, "Oh my gosh, you know, that's all old stuff." No, it's not. <laughs> the techniques never get old. Yeah, the part about taking pictures is still absolutely fine. The the part about the camera app and so forth is still pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a few apps in the book that are gone. But in general, I would say it's still probably 90% relevant. Yep, I think so. Thank you so much, Judy, for joining us today on Main Menu and sharing your love of Braille and all things Braille. Well, thanks very much, Janine. It's been really good to talk with you. We're speaking to you on December 29th, 2017. Released just a day ago, the Echo line has the ability to call from the Echo products to mobile devices in your contact list. Or you can call digit by digit. Just say the area code and the digits and it will ring any number in the U.S. or Canada at this point. Releases to the UK are coming very soon. Okay, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to call device to device. That is my dot to his dot. And then we'll call from my device, which is the dot running through the Vox and his mobile phone. You got all that? I hope so, because here we go. I will manually hit the button so we won't activate all the devices around the world. Call Jason Castonguay. Jason Castonguay, right? Right. Calling. Now it's ringing his device. Oh, that was really interesting. We are going through the device. Jason, you are on your what right now? 
I'm on my Echo Dot. Okay, you're on your, and I'm on my Dot as well, but I'm talking through the Vox. So this is the audio, device to device. Cool, you sound great. Well, of course I do. I'm a professional. <laughs> and I, I was about to say, of course I do too. Of but... course you do too. Yes, you sound just beautiful. Yeah. All right, so explain Great. to him what we're going to be doing now. Actually, I, I don't know what we're doing <laughs> next. <laughs> That's got to be in, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, totally, All totally. Right, what, we, what we're going to do now is we're going to call his mobile phone, his iPhone, from my dot, okay? Okay. Hang up. Call Jason Castanguay mobile phone. Call Jason Castanguay's mobile, right? Right. Calling. Now we're going to his cell phone. Hey there. Hey, you got to admit this is pretty cool stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, that kind of convenience is just golden. This comes in handy for... People with motor control issues or, you know, just because you can, I guess. Any other thing you can think of? Yeah, I, the convenience, just because you can, and the motor skills uh, mm-hmm. issues, that really sounds good to me. But I have to admit, you sound a lot better from device to device than you do from mobile to device. But still, I mean, it can be done. It's just really cool. Yeah, and, and I imagine some of that is due to just of the nature of cellular voice quality anyway. I wonder if a landline would sound different. Well, this is like operating a cylindrical speakerphone. Yeah. yeah. Everyone can hear me. Isn't that wonderful? Around the world is listening to you right now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on Main Menu. And anything you want to say in closing? I'm thrilled to be a part of it, and we'll keep everybody posted as we learn new things, like we always do. All right. Sounds great. Thanks. Thank you. And there it goes. Main Menu is brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs every Friday evening beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream and repeats every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can listen by tuning in with any browser, grab it as a podcast, use ACB link for iOS, or call 605-475-8130 at airtime. If you have comments, suggestions, or if you have recorded a review or discussion of a software or hardware product you would like us to air, email us, mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can also give us a shout on Twitter, at mainmenu. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next time when we talk about Windows 10 and the update that is to be released.